0: Joyce Slayton of Common Sense Media called it an appealingly silly romp for kids and adults. Jonathan Rosenbaum of the Chicago Reader said, This cruel but effective black comedy violates credibility at almost every turn, but the concept itself is so strong that it winds up working pretty well anyway and TV Guide referred to it as a modern-day comedy in the grand tradition of the best screwball comedies of the late 1930s and early 40s. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of... What About Bob? Which one will it be?
1: This is the ruined childhoods podcast. I feel good. I feel great. I feel wonderful. I feel good. I feel great. I feel wonderful. I feel good. I feel great. I feel wonderful. Hey everyone, welcome to ruined childhoods. I feel wonderful. This
0: is Dan Dan Weiner, one of your co-hosts, and and with me, if John's done repeating his his mantra, or rather, the mantra of. Bob Wiley,
1: um, he'll say hello. Dan, I feel good. I feel great. And I feel very wonderful because I'm very excited to talk about What About Bob? Me too. Very excited. Uh, it's, it's funny because I know that we want to also talk about uh, things that have come up in the, in the reboot, remake, sequel, prequel news sphere but it's so mm-hmm. tempting just to like dive right into it but i'm going to i'm going really to hold back i'm going to hold back
0: so has there been so what what news are you are you thinking of of course we're on the eve of the the release of avengers endgame we yeah we're, we are we are
1: recording this on recording this the on opening night uh, i'm seeing it tomorrow fyi Oh, okay. Good, good to know. That answers that question. Um, I will be seeing it. I don't know when. I I have nothing to say except I'm looking forward to it, and it's going to be a good time, and that's all I care about.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll be um, I'll be honest. This probably isn't a popular opinion, but I have kind of fallen out of love with the Avengers series. I, Infinity War kind of did me in. That that one tapped me out. I just, by the end of Infinity War, I
1: just felt like, I I don't know, I didn't care. Maybe because Paul Rudd wasn't in it, and Paul Rudd is a delight, and he's going to be in Endgame. And truth be told, I did really
0: miss Paul Rudd in Infinity War. I don't know that Paul Rudd would have been the difference maker. And I actually, I did my, my Avengers fast, so to speak, was broken when Ant-Man and the Wasp um, started streaming on Netflix. Yeah. So those movies are so much fun. And Michael Pena is such a delight. He is a delight. He's, he really is. And just those movies have a different flavor. I I love what Peyton Reed has brought, has brought to them. Um, And I was thinking about him as a director, actually, uh, earlier this week, as I was (laughs) trying to hunt down a a DVD copy of What About Bob, Uh I came across um, quite a few copies of Down With Love. Oh, Down With Love is great. And I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger. Do, uh, never occurred to me how that rhymed. Um, <laughs> doing kind of the Doris Day, Rock Hudson pillow talk. And it works. Oh, and he nails the style, yeah. though. That's what... Re- yeah, he's really gifted with that. And, and don't yes. forget David Hyde Pierce. David Hyde Pierce is is fantastic. I i It's been such a long time since I've seen it. But
1: I I do recall David Hyde Pierce being great in that. Peyton did Peyton Reed also direct Bring It On? That does sound familiar. I'm not positive, but I think you may be right. I think I'm, you're gonna I'm go look at it. Up. Positive he, uh yeah. But that we don't have to talk about that because it has nothing to do with no. uh the theme of the show, which is the the afterlife of <laughs> of movies, whether it be sequel, prequel, yeah. reboot, remake, etc. Uh theatrical show book comic book video game pinball who knows um there is a new trailer for the child's play reboot uh which shows a little bit more of the terror that uh chucky brings on and um you see the updated chucky right right and you also get a little little taste of mark hamill um as the voice of chucky just a little taste yeah, you know, I I haven't watched it yet, but
0: I will definitely check it out.
1: I mean, it's it seems like it's going to be good. Uh, I don't know. I never was, like, super into the original. Um, it certainly made its mark. It's definitely thing something that everyone is always aware of, so I'm just curious to see how it shakes yeah. out. Um, there really isn't much else going on in terms of reboot news. Oh, I, I watched the trailer for The Hustle, which is the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels uh, reboot, which is with Rebel Wilson. And um, why am I blanking on her name? Oh, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. How could I blank on Anne Hathaway's name? How could you forget New Jersey native Anne Hathaway? I didn't even know that. She's sister, all right? Uh, She's from Milburn. I didn't... What do I... I don't have, like, the directory of New Jersey-born actors... Someone she knows has shopped at Sam's, oh, the
0: store where mom that, worked. Rest in peace, Sam's. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna pour some out for and, Sam's. Some and, water, and I don't pour it out for Sam's.
1: And I don't know if you've checked that trailer out yet, but it looks like a lot of fun. And I'll say this on the podcast, but and I, I said this to you in a text, but I feel like this would have been one of our ideas for a dirty rotten scoundrel's <laughs> reboot. Right. Yeah.
0: So, which is, and, and that does connect us to what about Bob, which was directed by Frank Oz, who also directed Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Scoundrels. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, um, Frank Oz is is one of those other like pivotal, um, directors from, I guess the eighties and nineties, uh, definitely getting his start with, uh, Jim Henson studios. Um, he was the, voice of yoda as well so uh, yoda slash grover whichever one you uh, choose to yes. associate that voice yes with. and um
0: big bird you seek Big bird
1: yeah so frank oz was definitely um he got to start directing with uh dark crystal with did he also do follow that bird or was he just the voices of the characters He's well, And he was also a puppeteer. He's also a puppeteer. He he
0: wasn't just...
1: Yeah, he wasn't just the voice. He is also the Um, child of puppeteers.
0: Yeah, yeah, actually born in... Poland? He was born in Europe. Uh, I think... I believe he's Polish. I think he was born in... He might have been born in London. I know he spent some time... Yeah, he was born in England, Mm -hmm. in, in Hereford, England. And, yep, puppeteers. And... He spent some time in in Belgium and... Never heard of it. ...then Montana.
1: Yeah. That's a joke no, because n- that's no. where Dan's wife is from.
0: Yeah. And, uh yeah, that's where our wedding was and all that. So uh he... Let's see what he directed because if he directed Follow That Bird, that would make this a, a, a very... This would make this a very special that episode. That was the first movie I saw um, in the theater. Correct.
1: Making Frank Oz the first director I experienced in the theater. He, did, he did, not, did
0: not. No, your first director that you experienced was Mr. Ken Quapis. That who, sounds familiar. Um, who, what else did he do? Yes. He directed, uh, um, most recently, A Walk in the Woods with Robert Redford. and Oh, Nick yeah. But he also did, he did quite a few episodes of The Office, huh. And he but I, I wanna say as a filmmaker, he did The Beautician and the Beast. Dunstan checks in Got it. He said she he said she said is the is the one that I associate him with, but he also did vibes with Ooh, Jeff Goldblum. Vibes Cindy Lauper and yeah, oh, let's add that to the yeah. list.
1: Vibes. I there is that is a hard movie to track down. Is it really? Well, didn't Jeff Goldblum like try to erase it from history? <laughs> I think he succeeded. Like, I can't even... <laughs> I was going on Spotify.
0: Because Cyndi Lauper did a track for that film that is pretty dope. And it's called Hole in My Heart. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way to China. I had the single, but <laughs> I was looking for it on Spotify and Amazon Music and could not... Vine, vibes soundtrack, You can't. it apparently does not exist. I think... Have you checked eBay? Jeff Goldblum... No, I'm not I don't I my interest is only that limited oh God. where I will check the things that I'm like regularly on.
1: Fair enough. Are you checking eBay? I, I will check eBay for this later. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. So so okay, <laughs> so Frank Oz directed getting back to the what we're actually talking about here, uh Frank Oz directed What About Bob? Um and before we get too far into it, I gotta know, Dan, do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Of course oh, I do John. Okay. Uh yeah, now of course I don't I don't know if I
0: have the ticket stub because I saw this movie at the Westfield Twin Cinema. The Westfield New Jersey had two movie theaters around the corner from each other. The Twin Cinema was def- was the smaller of the two and there the ticket stubs didn't really have any information printed on them just like Westfield Cinema and like 275 matinee it had the cheapest matinee price. And that's where I saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I saw Police Academy 6 there. And I saw What About Bob at that movie theater. And I only have one stub from that theater. I have no idea what movie it's from. But I saw that movie and I went with uh, my, my buddy at the time, Dave Larson, my partner in crime and in amateur filmmaking and fake radio shows. Right. Dave Larson and I were actually making pod. We were doing podcasts before it was a If thing. you
1: can find some of those, we got to release them.
0: Yeah. I don't know if they exist. Dave, if you're listening, I don't, if you know anything, I, I believe somewhere I do have a Zoli, the Hungarian
1: hero. Oh, that was the uh, film, film series. And I say that with quotes, uh, shot on a PXL, PXL two thousand. Right. Yes, the Fisher Price yes. video camera. Brilliant. So, uh, uh, yeah, that thing was amazing. But yes,
0: so we, I saw. I remember going to see that, and I think it was like, it was in May. Oh, you know what? I remember. <laughs> you know what? I remember. I actually remember what I was doing earlier that day. Oh my god. <laughs> and and you'll 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 appreciate this, and perhaps a few of our listeners will appreciate this, but I spent my day making some making some money, making some cash, working for Mr. Alan Rubin at
1: Fashion Finds in Lynn. I did not know that you worked at Fashion Finds.
0: I pulled a couple of shifts in fashion oh my finds God. working in the in the stock room. Uh yeah. So yeah, I remember I was, you know, in Linden and for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> you're used to it by now. But We, this was a store owned by a friend of the family and it was, it was discount clothing. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. I don't know, for women. I don't think they sold like men's clothing. It was, it was a.
1: The only men's clothing were the Fashion Finds swag t-shirts that we all owned. Oh yeah,
0: definitely. (laughs) Those, yeah, those could not be bound by gender. So but i was work i worked at fashion finds during the day and then went to see what about bob that night i remember laughing so hard that i was like kicking the seat in front of me and like we both were just like nonstop
1: that movie and i watched it again today everything not every line that he says everything that bill murray does is so funny it's so funny just watching He's very him. very much... Yes, yes. And what's
0: interesting is that originally cast... It's funny because I remembered... I, I saw this online, but I also remembered this. I remembered it from... I read it in a premiere magazine. And I think this was when... This was not... I don't remember reading it like when I first got the magazine in 1990. But at a certain point when I was sorting stuff out in my old room... At our parents' house, I remember like just flipping through a couple of the magazines and seeing, like, you know, that this movie, What About Bob, was going to be going into production starring Robin Williams and Richard Dreyfus. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That would have been different.
1: Well, yeah, I did read that Robin Williams was the original like choice um, to play the Bob Wiley role which I'm sure would have been also great, but definitely different.
0: Yeah, I wonder... Uh, uh, I feel like he would have actually tapped more into the, like, pathos of the character, which is only really revealed a little bit, but I can only imagine that Robin Williams... I mean, also, Rob. I mean, I don't know if at that time it was the case, but I mean, Robin Williams knew a thing or two about mental
1: illness, right? so... so All right, I'm just going to give a brief synopsis of the movie. What About Bob, in case you are not familiar with it. Uh, So What About Bob centers around Bob Wiley, who is a man who lives in New York, and he has a series of um, emotional disorders that he is trying to treat uh, by seeing a number of therapists. And his, I guess at the beginning of the movie, current therapist has uh, referred him to... Dr. Leo Marvin, and uh, is is also leaving the business of therapy altogether because of Bob. And uh, Leo Marvin, who's played by Richard Dreyfuss, is, is this very narcissistic uh, <laughs> expert in his field and has just written this book called Baby Steps about his uh, methods of therapy. And uh, Bob Wiley goes to his office for his first, like, interview, meeting, uh, and Bob clearly is impacted by Leo Marvin, and becomes obsessed with him because of that. Leo Marvin is about to leave New York for a month to spend uh, a, a vacation with his family in, uh, in Lake Winnipesaukee, New Hampshire, and this is, does not sit well with Bob, so Bob tracks him down goes to Lake Winnipesaukee in order to continue his treatment. Um, there's no real plan. He just knows that he needs it and he goes and he does some, uh, very unethical things in order to get there, but, uh, he makes his way there and, um, of course, Dr. Leo Marvin is not happy about this. He's there with his family, uh, which is uh, his wife, Faye, who's played by Julie Haggerty, uh, who is in the Airplane movies. Um, really, really fantastic actress. Uh, and his uh, daughter, Anna, and his son, Siggy, um, who's played by, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but he was also in Hook. Ch- Charlie Corsmo. Charlie Corsmo. Also of Dick Tracy. Right, and Dick Tracy. So... He's the kid. He is the kid. Yeah, uh, yeah. He had really quite a moment in the nineties.
0: Ninety and ninety-one were the years that was the age of Corsmo. They were very, they were right very there. good years for Charlie Corsmo.
1: So um, ninety-two, dead, not so much. So uh, Faye, Anna, and Siggy bond with Bob, who is this fun person, which is a stark contrast to their father, who's a very serious person. All he cares about is his upcoming, uh, live, uh, appearance on good morning America because of his book, baby steps. And, um, one thing leads to another Bob becomes ingrained in this family. They love him. It just makes Leo more irate. And, uh, it, I think we can just leave it at that, because what ends up happening next, I don't want to give anything away in case it, people still haven't seen it. it came out in nineteen ninety one. You've had a little bit of time, but um, it's it's really something to behold. It's such a great time watching that movie.
0: You do have to watch it though, keeping in mind, especially like if you're if you're a, a you know i guess if if you if you're if you've grown up in in the last 15 years
1: it,
0: you have to kind of watch it through the lens of what was okay in the early 90s cuz one thing i will say is i know a lot of people mostly young people who would watch this and might feel a little offended by kind of the light take on mental, mental illness and, and emotional disorders.
1: So, I mean, it's just, it's with that caveat and you kind of have to. uh, Well, yeah, that's something I definitely was going to bring up (laughs) later on, but, uh, yes, it's, it's interesting in that it does deal with emotional disorders, things that people are much more comfortable talking about now. Um, therapy is another thing that in the early nineties, was maybe looked at a little differently than it is now, where it's a very regular thing for people to see therapists and so much to the point that, like, there are apps and, you know, places where you can text for therapy. So...
0: It's a a healthy thing, and it's considered a healthy thing to do for for anyone, really.
1: Yes, but I will say that there are some interesting moments in What About Bob that kind of, I don't know, they, they do look at it in a way that is maybe a way to take it a little bit more seriously. It's hard to really pinpoint the subtle moments, but it's, it's not like they're making fun of emotional um, disorders or therapy. In the ways that they no. could have, or that probably would have been expected of them in 1991.
0: Well, and we can contrast it or compare it to the 1990 film Crazy People oh, with yeah. Dudley Moore and Daryl Hannah, which is actually which is set in um, in a home, I guess, for the mentally mm-hmm. ill, and draws a lot of its humor. F- from that, that actually, the, and I, I would, I, I would like to talk about crazy people again on, on an ep, on another episode, uh-huh. because I actually think part of some of the concept of crazy people is, is really clever. I don't think I've ever seen but, it. Yeah, you know, uh, Dudley Moore, who play, he plays an uh, advertising, um, I guess, executive or agent who just kind of like loses it and decides to put. At like design all of these like really honest ads like oh yeah if you watch the trailer they show a bunch of them yeah anyway it's 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 worth checking out but when when I was looking at what about Bob and watching what about Bob again and I thought of it it was it was interesting because we talked about Robin Williams and there were a few things about it that were reminiscent to me of Mrs Doubtfire. Hmm where if you just look at the behavior of the individual it it's it's like there is a problem there there is a form of of mental illness right. and the like what the person is doing is not okay it's not ethical it's not and actually bob goes to much further extremes than what Daniel Hillard does in Mrs. Downfire, right. in my opinion, because Bob, Bob gets a, a prostitute played by Aida Turturro of uh, the, the Simpsons Janice of the Simpsons and are not the Simpsons, the Sopranos. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like it starts with an S and ends with an same S thing. Yeah, whatever happens in between. Yeah. Simpsons Sopranos <laughs> practically the same show. Anyway, so anyway, that's the prostitute that he hires to call the answering service for Dr. Marvin, who's on vacation. This is pre-cell phone, and and pretend to be his sister, who he's very protective of. And he's worried that he, he's worried about her and and then but then it's Bob calling. Right. After after leo has told bob like look there's another person like if you have an emergency they'll put you in touch with this person he's done the professional thing like leo might leo marvin might be really self absorbed and focused on his good morning america thing but he professionally he, he, to a certain extent he does the the right thing sure. yeah yeah i mean he does the right thing uh, at that point once Bob gets there, it's debatable whether Leo does the
1: right thing. Sure. And I'll also say that Bob also goes to the site of the calling service, telling them that Bob, well, going disguised as somebody else, but saying that Bob had... Detective Co- Roberts, Detective- NYPD. <laughs> had, that Bob had committed suicide 15 minutes ago, which... Oh, yeah. I mean... First of all, it's hilarious that he said 15 minutes ago, <laughs> and then they're already at the calling yes. service. But it's also important to note that is extremely unethical and an awful thing to do. Terrible, like that is real. That I mean,
0: that's what I'm saying is like somebody who does that. If if I'm Leo Marvin and. And I real and like I'm in I'm at Lake Winnipesaukee and there's Bob Wiley standing in the middle of town, which I remember laughing so hard at this in the theater when he's just standing there shouting,
1: "Doctor Leo Marvin." Yeah, it's funny.
0: But if I but if I'm Doctor Marvin in that situation and I'm like, oh my god, this guy totally like like faked a suicide to get my attention. Mm he should like when he eventually he takes him to the, the institution, he takes him to the home uh, when, when he's finally like when he's sick of him, he should have taken him right then and there. Yeah. Like this man clearly needed care and, you know, and of course I'm looking at it, not from a, this is a fun summer comedy point of view. I'm looking at it from a, you know, more realism point Mm -hmm. of view, which is not the point, but it, 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 can I bring up a, a theory, Ooh, please? <laughs> um, I have to wonder if at some point in the drafting of this screenplay, there was a darker take, hmm. and a darker take that that Robin Williams not only would have been good at, but in fact was good at when he did something very similar. Oh, Fisher King in One Hour Photo. Oh, no, one, hour one Hour Photo. Hour photo.
1: Cuz I was thinking Fisher King so, because in that he plays a deeply troubled person who has I mean PTSD definitely. Uh Right. Right. Um I, Fisher King is one of my favorite movies. And that one mine he, as well. Robin Williams it's very serious about the way that he depicts a, you know, somebody who has gone through extreme emotional distress.
0: Uh, Ironically in a much more like fantasy based movie. Yeah. No, the performance I, we, we, I could, I could talk about the Fisher King for hours. on end. (laughs) So I love, like I, I adore that movie. I, that is one of my favorite all time movies and has been since the day I saw it. And yes, I remember. (laughs) Um, but anyway, to get back to my, my theory. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think as he's doing all this and I'm watching it from a more, I guess, objective point of view. Cause I'm watching the movie kind of to analyze it, getting ready to talk mm-hmm. about it. And I've seen it a million times prior. So are there hints? Does he leave? Are there hints that he's actually trying to like take over the family? And Leo is so self-absorbed and so
1: focused on himself that he doesn't realize. And I, I there is the line when Lily is, uh, is there uh, Leo's sister is there, and Leo has gone through a bit of a mental break. And Bob says, "I'll be the dad." Hmm, interesting.
0: Exhibit, exhi- that that's what I would consider Exhibit B, maybe <laughs> Exhibit A. I he has that line. He says, "If I fake it, I don't have it." Right? Huh? And I just thought about that line. and if you reverse it, if I don't have it, I fake it. If I don't have family, right? I fake it. And we we don't know if the whole story about hi- him having an ex wife. Mm-hmm is real. And that was, I, I'm, we might be putting the cart before the horse here, but that was kind of one of my, one of my thoughts about, about a prequel, something about this marriage, perhaps called Life of Wiley. But <laughs> um,
1: when you like, cause what's the reason he gives for, for his divorce? Well, because there are two people in this world, people who like Neil Diamond <laughs> mm-hmm. and people who don't. And she loved Neil Diamond
0: she loved this is another question i wonder it, when he says she loved neil diamond i i don't know if there was a like she left him for neil diamond or hmm. or, or or if he's just making this up because why not <laughs> like why not you never know with him well, because I just think about that line. If I fake it, I don't have it. And if I don't have it, I f- it he doesn't say, if I don't have it, I right. fake it.
1: And uh, by the way, when but, he says, if I, if I fake it, I don't have it, he's talking about uh, ailments or conditions like Tourette's, which oh, is yes. something that he fakes yes. or a heart attack or something that he fakes because if he fakes it, he doesn't have it. So that's interesting. Now, the other thing that leads me to believe
0: that. Is his last name is Wiley, meaning someone who's clever, mm-hmm. someone who's scheming, not a lovable, buff- like not a buffoon, but not like just this kind of lovable, sad, lonely person, but someone who's wily and someone who, you know, kind of,
1: are kind of scammer. Dan, this is very interesting. I, I am. <laughs> it's really easy to watch this movie and to not think too much about it. And that's one of the things yeah, like, that like, <laughs> makes it a classic. Right. And you don't think about this unless you are actually
0: sitting down and trying to mm-hmm. think about it, which is what I was doing, but it's like, Bob is so, and, and oh, the, another thing I noticed, like, so, When he's sitting out there with the family and he's talking about how delicious everything is and Leo goes into the kitchen and Leo starts choking Mm -hmm. and it gets bad. The kids get up. He's still talking to Faye and he's kind of like he's moved over and then he doesn't get up until she gets up and he kind of gets up with he doesn't like actually roll his eyes, but he's like,
1: it's okay. I know what to do. That's so interesting. I kind of want to watch that again now. Um, by the way, I mean, maybe that yeah. one of the lines that maybe me left so hard watching it this time that I don't even know if I ever really picked up on before is right before that when he's like, Leo, I see you have salt, pepper, salt and pepper. Do you have a salt substitute? <laughs> I, I lost it during that. I was like, oh my God, that's so good. I mean,
0: yeah, and it's funny because there's things like that, and it's like, well, if this man really had like anxiety that bad and that this bad of a disorder, like, w- would he really do all these things? Or True. I mean, that's then you're going into a whole other. Well, but I just I feel I feel like maybe at some point in in the drafting there was a darker take on this. I mean, we were talking about who's the fool mm-hmm. in in the movie because it's this is our April Fools. It's
1: Faye. Faye is the fool. Kind of. Uh. The only thing I can think to uh, uh, mention as like a rebuttal would be the moments where you see Bob without everybody else. When he's like walking down the road and he's hearing the sounds of the night and everything. And it's like, Mm. he's still, you know, got his things beginning, the whole beginning, him on the bus, um, yeah, him, we'll yeah, see so, him walking down his hallway of his building. Um, yeah. I, there's... So, so
0: what would really make, so I guess what would really make sense would be a prequel about what happens with him and the previous Doctor?
1: Well, yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, it'd, it'd be tough to do a prequel without doing it like right at that time yeah. because yeah. you couldn't do yeah. it with other actors really. Um, no, the only other the one thing I could think would be to re-release it with a different score. Because if you re-score it and keep it kind of keep the music more dark during those moments where it's becoming a little bit more, apparent that he is trying to move in on the family then it can really feel like it is a little bit more diabolical i don't know just a thought kind of like that you know
0: back back in the day i this was several years ago but john actually did this really great recut of mrs doubtfire as a a horror movie trailer
1: yeah um, and yeah, that could totally be, yeah. If this was maybe recut a little bit, adding a few more pauses, uh, when Bob says certain things, maybe it could those moments could land a little bit more and they could support your theory. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I'm not, which I'm not saying that you're, it's a wacky eh, theory. I mean, is it?
0: Kind of, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's we're it, it's I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's a case like unless I I unless we get an email at runechildhoodspod at gmail.com from um someone involved in in the film in the production of the film Laura
1: Ziskin if you're there
0: maybe Laura Ziskin if you could confirm this or well, one thing
1: that I did read and I think this is probably the IMDb trivia but it during production. Everybody seemed to have a different idea of how things should go. So yes, I read the that. question. Like, was that the way that certain people, like I, who knows who, but like certain people would want it, would have wanted it to go? Well, and I think Frank Oz did have kind of a taste
0: for darker. Mm-hmm. For darker I mean, and if you so I mean if you think about so Little Shop of right. Horrors, which Frank Oz didn't write the ending, but the original ending to the musical is is very different and darker than the ending to the movie, but he did shoot the ending a film mm-hmm. adaptation of the way the musical ends. With spoiler alert, Audrey too eats everything mm-hmm. and takes over the planet. So he's I feel like Frank and Dark Crystal actually has some moments that very, are, that are, that are really, it's very yeah. dark. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised. And it just, like I said before, Robin Williams, not that Bill Murray couldn't do dark, but Robin Williams really can't, could go that, could go up to that line and kind of go into that gray area. Mm-hmm. Where Bob goes, where I, where it's because I think Bob goes there a lot more than Daniel Hillard, his character in, in Mrs. Doubtfire. Right.
1: Well, very interesting. Um, I, because we're. Any other, did you have. Well, yeah, I was trying to think of like, okay, to reboot this movie would be challenging because of the difference in way, in the ways that uh, mental health is viewed in 2019 as opposed to 1991. Um, That said, maybe that would be a good opportunity to right some of the wrongs. And for casting, there's only two people I could possibly think of that could be the stars of it. And Oscar Isaac and Oscar Isaac as both characters. No, um, that's the correct answer. (laughs) No, uh, for the Dr. Leo Marvin character... Michael Keaton, because he can go from zero to one hundred, and he you can buy him in any of any part in that range. Um, he's also just delightful, and uh, who doesn't love Michael Keaton? Um, the right. other th- and actually, I did have two two people in mind for that role. The other one uh, was somebody who, as I later found out was considered for that role, and that would be Kevin Klein. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I read that. Yeah. Yeah. But the only person I can think to be Bob Wiley, and as I was watching the movie, every line that Bill Murray said, I could hear it coming out of Zach Galifianakis' mouth. (laughs) Okay. Like, for example... Yeah. I see salt and I see pepper, but I don't see a salt substitute. <laughs> like that is something that he would say. Uh, yes. I, you know, everything, everything he says. And it's like, it makes me wonder how much of an wow. influence Bill Murray at in the early 90s was on Zach Galifianakis's acting style.
0: Yeah, it's in- interesting. I mean, not definitely not on the surface, but when, but that's a really good call. Yeah. That's I so I wasn't thinking I guess my my mind was thinking I either prequels or I I was like what if you rebooted the HBO series In Treatment uh-huh. but instead of the Gabriel Byrne character it's Dr. Leo Marvin. <laughs> <laughs> not probably not played by Richard right. Dreyfuss. But maybe it's a young Doctor Leo Marvin. Perhaps it's Kevin Klein. <laughs> but yeah. it's uh, it's in treatment with Doctor
1: Leo Marvin. Doctor Leo Marvin, another great name in cinematic history. Baby steps, baby steps to the divorce. You know what baby about step even steps. just and this was I uh, I think that at the end of the movie there's kind of a like this is what happened to this person kind of thing. But what if they actually did release the uh, the book Death Therapy, written by Bob Wiley?
0: If someone just went and wrote yeah. like that book, yeah, sh- like yeah, a gifted satirist, perhaps. Oh, jeez, <laughs> would write. <laughs> I, don't, I yeah, why not? But yeah, I I understand. I I feel like the uh, yeah remaking it would. Would, would definitely be beats up, but yeah, it could be a good opportunity to kind of re-explore mental mm-hmm. illness and do it and and do it comedically, but also do it with kind, with a, an, an updated, a 2019
1: sensitivity. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. By the way, we got an email from French fry Phil. We did. Uh, yes. Shall I go ahead and read it? Go right Uh, ahead, John. so Phil, uh, by the way, Phil, thank you for writing again. Our email address is ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Phil says, mm, Faye, these episodes are so scrumptious. Hey, thanks, Phil. Uh, I know I've been a little MIA with the emails, but great stuff for April Fool's Month. Uh, Side note, I've also recently enjoyed a few episodes of Louisa to Beaver. Hey, uh, got it. Hey, and I have a great idea, but I'll never do it. Those are some of my other podcasts. The entire John Richardson podcasting universe if you're not counting the serious ones that I do for my actual job <laughs> but my goofing around ones you bet uh, so
0: Phil goes it's like you're you're like you're, you're like Mel Brooks in the early 80's like you're putting out history of the World part one but also the elephant man
1: hey i've got uh, I got range brother so then Phil goes okay, kind of a weird connection but I still have a large glass jug that I've been stuffing stubs into for movies, amusement parks, yeah. comedians, etc. since 1991. I believe the first one was for hook. The aforementioned hook. I got that one. Yeah. <laughs> got that one. It's hard to see what's in there these days, but you can make out the fugitive and solo in the picture. Um, also, I shared a bedroom with my two brothers and my section of the room had movie posters and mini movie posters, in quotes, that were actually ads from my parents' magazines. The first was from Batman Returns. I know that for sure. Uh, it all got talked about at some point, but I still have full-size posters of Empire Strikes Back, three o'clock high, ooh, three o'clock high. That's a good one. <laughs> and yeah. Breaking Away rolled up in a mailing tube. Looking forward to What About Bob? Uh, aside from the original Star Wars trilogy and Willy Wonka, What About Bob was mo- the most re-watched and quoted film for myself and my brothers, maybe tied with Groundhog Day. Ahoy, I sail, Phil. And he attached a photo of the stubs. Phil, with your permission, I'd like to post that on our Instagram, at Ruined Childhoods Pod. Um, I'll reach out to you for permission about that one. Um, but thank you for the email. Awesome. I always love hearing from you. Thank you. And... It's yeah. nice to know that, uh, Dan, you have a, a brother in arms in collecting ticket stubs. See, I know I'm not alone here. By the way, another and- mention about our Instagram account. Dan, last night, yesterday, did a an Instagram live going through some of his stubs. And I watched it, yeah. with my jaw dropped, and my wife who was next to me was like, is he still going? <laughs> and I was like, "We're not even halfway through." <laughs> I didn't. get, It wasn't that long. It was it five minutes, <laughs> Dan? When you are sitting by yourself, going through movie ticket stubs from the nineties, five minutes is a pretty long time. Don't get me wrong; I enjoyed every second of it. But you, crazy man! <sighs> I was. I was
0: describing a lot of, listen, you have one brother who has ticket stubs. You have another brother who collects pizza boxes. So really, you know, who's the Yours takes up a lot less space. Um, Facts. I also forgot I had mine for several years. I actually thought I didn't have it anymore. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I have, I, I got my stubs, you know, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. And it just, you know, I feel like I collected them. At some point, I decided. I said, "You know what? I'm going to hang on to these." At some point in the future, I'll be glad I did. Here we are. You know what that that point was the the other day, and and continuing (laughs) on, it's a larger. It's not just one point. Well, and here we are
1: talking about it again. Um, So, oh, I'm going to do you have. do you have any other thoughts about what about Bob before we move on?
0: So um, I, I have to say, first of all, I, I'm curious to know how close it came to getting a PG-13 beat with the all Tourette's. the Tourette's rants, which I that, that has to be something that that's probably got to change because I, I feel like since that movie, I've learned about Tourette's and that it very rarely is what is represented in the
1: film. Well, I feel like that could have been fixed with one line from Leo Marvin saying like, you know, that's not really what Tourette's is. Right. And then uh, <laughs> you're good. And then the movie would have ended. <laughs>
0: just, um Oh, it, it, I have to, so just to talk a little bit more about Richard Dreyfuss, because when you talk about this movie, Bill Murray, it, 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 it's, it's, it's hard to not talk about Bill Murray, but Bill Murray's performance would not work so well if Richard Dreyfus didn't balance him yeah. out. Step by step. And he, he's got this false modesty that is amazing. He's got this moment when he when he picks up the phone, when when they call to tell him that Bob committed suicide mm-hmm. and it's the middle of the night. And he's he's got this moment where you're like, oh, wow, he's really hurt. And then he just goes, let's not let it spoil our vacation yeah. and then collapse the lights off with the clapper. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah Richard Dreyfus is great. What's with the diving? What's with the diving? I was wondering that too because I never questioned that all the other times I watched it, but it's like why is he in so ins- why is he so insistent on teaching his kid how to dive and why does his kid wanna learn how to dive so badly even though he's so resistant to it? Yeah, I I don't I mean there's definitely I'm sure there's
0: there's more in there about like yeah, he does want to make his father mm-hmm. happy. He does want his father's attention. So I guess in that way, Bob is is good because Bob kind of pulls them or drives them
1: more together, I guess. I think it also gives Leo Marvin an opportunity to accidentally push his son and Bob into the lake, uh, giving yes. them a reason to be on that dock. Right.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah, I guess a couple of things, if you were going to update this, another thing that would have to be updated is Faye. Mm -hmm. And this is no, this is, you know, not meant to be offense to Julie Haggerty, who, you know, played the role, but she's written as so submissive. And so when he's asking her, like, "All right, well, what do you prefer? You want like the bu- the bust of Freud or the rifle?" And she's just like, uh, "I don't know." Like she's afraid to mm-hmm. answer him. So um, there's there's that, and and I guess another element that I think you that I think you not only could keep but should keep is the moment when Leo really does handle Bob well. And when he actually, re- and when when I'm like, ah, you know what, he really is like, he's good. It's when he tells him to take a vacation yeah, from his I was problems, thinking the same thing. and he writes him the prescription. When he writes him that prescription and puts it in a form that he understands by writing a prescription and saying take a vacation from your problems, I, I feel like first of all that element of the the therapy is is very much present today. Mm-hmm. And I think that message is still is relevant and is actually like good, good advice. I've given it sometimes to, uh, you know, in, 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 um, you know, d- adjusted methods. But, you know, I've, I've, you know, students of mine who've, who've been, you know, have come to me and been like, I'm stressed out. And I've been like, okay, all right. You know, let's, let's take a vacation from these problems over right. here. <laughs> you come. And also, so, I mean, we, yeah. today we'd call that self-care. Yeah. Self-care, but knowing, but some people need that, that prescription mm-hmm. paper, that post it, that reminder that, that says, take a, take a vacation from your problems. It's so,
1: it's really actually great advice. <laughs>
0: it, it really is. It re- I mean, as is the baby steps thing. Oh my God. I cited that in a meeting oh the God. other day too. <laughs> well, <laughs> kid, kid was really bugging out about, about taking on the, you know, writing mm-hmm. this big paper and, and it's like, oh, I have to do this. I, have to. I said, no, no, what do you have to do? What is the next thing you have to do? The next step, just focus yeah. on the next step, baby steps,
1: baby steps towards the revision. <laughs> so, yeah, it, man, it's, it is actually good advice. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you have to wonder, and I can't recall the name of the screenwriter right now. I know that Laura Ziskin did uh, some deal of the writing on this, she was the producer. Um, yes. But I wonder how much of that actually comes from actual advice. I don't know.
0: Alvin Sargent also contributed to the to the screenplay. Great name. He, he was also a writer on Spider Man Two, Ordinary People, Paper Moon. Yeah,
1: and um, so. Laura Ziskin, I think, produced some of the Spider Man movies. So. Yeah, Yeah, she sure did. uh, Well, I I feel like we've covered uh, what about Bob in terms of the theme of this podcast. Um, Ultimately landing on if you're going to touch it, it, it's maybe a responsible thing to take mental health more seriously and to um, kind of, I don't know, Promote therapy in a way that's not making it like an outlier type of thing, which in 2019 it isn't. Yeah. Correct, correct. So, should we talk about our next yes. episode?
0: Our next episode, our next, our next theme. We've en- we really enjoyed doing the April Fools' theme for this month, and we're gonna ke- keep it going with next month being May the Fourth. Be with
1: you, month. In- but wait just before everybody makes assumptions that we're going to be talking about Star Wars oh oh
0: no those assumptions would do what assumptions tend to do so <laughs> i i won't i won't go any further yeah you smell what i'm cooking so we will not be discussing Star Wars we will instead be talking
1: about the fourth parts in series, franchises in film series yeah. franchises so our next episode yes. is going to be Police Academy 4 Citizens on Patrol.
0: Citizens on Patrol. Okay.
1: I know that we've talked about this at one point in another episode, but Dan and I love the Police Academy movies. Unapologetically. Safe to say. And, and Scott as Scott well. Scott as well. Yes. Or, uh and yeah, he may
0: claim he doesn't remember watching them, oh. but we we watched We watched all seven of them uh, a few years back (laughs) in a marathon. Uh, Did you? We had a drink. Did you also
1: watch the unofficial uh, police academy movie Ski Patrol?
0: No, I don't remember the last time I saw that. Well, when we, when we, I do remember the first time.
1: all right so and so uh yeah please academy, me for citizens on patrol next time and dan i feel good i feel great i feel wonderful great i feel good i feel great i feel
0: wonderful john i'm gonna go take a vacation from my problems i feel good i feel great i feel wonderful Dr. Marvin's
1: refrigerator.
0: For the night. I don't like being a party fool, but tomorrow's very important. We like, better call it a night.
1: I don't want to be
0: rude, but maybe it's time for Bob to sing his way home. Honey, he
1: can't walk
0: home in this. Did I say that? I'll drive him.
1: Oh, Dad! The car's still at the marina. Chase. What? You said to leave it, remember? Well, Marine's gotta let
0: up soon. He can go home then. Well what if it starts up again? He can borrow
1: my slicker!